Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Today, we begin our Advent series. So, what do you think of when you think of Advent? If you're like me, when I hear the word Advent in the context of church and Christmas, I automatically think of a theme for church services during the Christmas scene or during the Christmas season. But what exactly does Advent mean? Well, it helps to use the word in a non-religious way. For example, the advent of the smartphone changed the way people interact. It really did. Have you noticed how people prefer to text rather than make a voice call? It became so common, the, legislator ma the legislature made a law that you cannot text and drive at the same time. How many of us follow that law? Okay, two of us. Okay, the rest of you need to hear this message. <laughs> the advent of the smartphone changed the way people behave. Advent simply means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. The advent, or the arrival of Jesus, was so significant, it became the reference point for all of human history. The date on your watch, the date on your smartphone, refers to the day that Jesus was born. The most celebrated holiday in all the Western world is the day he was born. Why is his birth so significant? That's what this series is all about. The title of our series is Hope Has Come. According to the Bible, faith, hope, and love are the greatest things in life. Love, we understand. But what about hope? Why, why hope? Why is hope so important? Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So let me ask you this. What do you hope for? Think about that for a moment. What do you hope for? Do you sometimes find it difficult to hope for certain things? Do you find it easier maybe to hope for others but not so much for yourself? We all need to belong, to be accepted, to be loved. But sometimes it's hard to hope because we don't want to be disappointed if it doesn't happen. Sometimes we're cautious about getting our hopes up because we've been disappointed in the past. It's easier not to go there. It's safer. The wisest man who ever lived said, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. That's Proverbs 13. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope fulfilled brings excitement. Hope is one of those things that makes life the best. Anytime you see a decrease in faith, hope, or love, you are seeing evidence of the enemy at work who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But anytime you see an increase 
in faith, hope, and love. You are witnessing the work of God who came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The reason we celebrate Christmas is because hope has come. The advent or the arrival of Jesus was also, is also, the arrival of new hope for us. But why? And how? That's what this series is about. This series is taken from the book of Galatians. Did you know the Christmas story is in the book of Galatians? Our scripture is from Galatians chapter 4. I'll be reading verses 1 through 4. Paul is the writer. He says, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. It will help to understand what Paul is saying if you keep in mind that Paul's letters to the churches have a pattern. The first part of his letters always declare what Christ has done and how we have received a new life and a new identity. After describing the transformation of our new identity because of what Jesus did for us, he then moves to the second part, which is what our lives should look like because of who we are. Now, some people act a certain way in order to become something. Other people know who they are, and therefore they act a certain way. When I was a student, I was riding my motorcycle home back to the dorm one day, and I was parking my bike, and another student saw me, and he said, hey, where'd you come from? I said, I came from church. He said, oh. He goes, yeah, doesn't church help you to become a better person? And I said, I don't go to church to become something. I go to church because of who I am. The Apostle Paul establishes our identity first. Jesus transformed us by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but... We are a new humanity. When you think about the change that has happened inwardly, we have become a new humanity. Think about it. After explaining what Jesus did and who we are, the second part of his letter describe how we should be, how we should live. As a new humanity, not perfect, not yet, but destined to experience who we are in Christ. So here we are in Galatians chapter 4. After three chapters, Paul is still explaining who we are as sons and daughters of the king. And let's read verse 1 again. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different than a slave, although he owns the whole estate. Notice the words heir and slave. Paul is making a contrast. Now, we don't have slaves today, so we're going to have to unpack this a little. Sometimes we may feel like slaves, but that's a different issue. So what is a slave? 
A slave is someone who has no freedom. A slave has no share in the master's profit. A slave doesn't own property. In fact, the slave is the property of another person. A slave is the legal property of another and forced to obey under oppressive conditions without pay. Therefore, a slave has no opportunity to dream or to hope. On the other hand, what is an heir? An heir is a son or daughter. That's a person who has special access to the king. An heir is legally entitled to the property of another. An heir is someone who inherits or has the right of inheritance. Sound good? Sound good? But there's a problem. Paul also explains that as long as the heir is underage, he's really no different than a slave. In this analogy, the term underage is used to describe our condition before Christ. Paul is describing our con the condition of us as unbelievers. He says, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. Paul is describing our condition as unbelievers. We were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. The slave describes our relationship to sin and this world system before we received Christ. Before Christ, we couldn't help but sin. We were slaves to sin. Sin left us without hope. Sin is oppressive, and sin doesn't pay. The heir describes our relationship with God after we received Christ. Now that Christ is in your life, you are sons and daughters of God. When you invited Jesus into your life, he set you free from the dominating influence of sin. He set you free from the elemental spiritual forces of this world. And now you are his sons and daughters who progressively, progressively live godly lives. Now you are an heir to the king. And this means you have God's favor and God is for you, not against you. Now sometimes we struggle with the old thoughts of slavery. You know, we sometimes have these thoughts like, you know, good things aren't going to happen for me. Maybe they'll happen for other people, but not for me. Or if it does, maybe it's limited, maybe it's a trickle, but it's not really the fullness. And this is why we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And by the renewing of our minds, I'm not talking about um, academics. I'm not talking about learning more information, about reading and studying the Bible. Uh, I'm talking about See, when you read Romans 12, 2, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A better translation of the original language is not the, not, not the mind as in the brain, but the mind of the heart. 
the innermost part of our being, that place where there are beliefs and attitudes and responses to things in life. That's the part that has to be renewed. That's the part where the beliefs and the responses are. And so the need to be renewed in the mind of our heart. The new reality that Paul is describing here, being heirs, being people of favor, being people who have a legal right to an inheritance, people who can have hope, all of this is possible because when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So born of a woman, of course, refers to Mary. Uh, born under the law refers to the elemental spiritual forces of the world. He referred to this a little bit earlier in the previous sentence. Paul is saying the creator of heaven and earth entered our sinful world in the form of a baby. This was the fulfillment of a prophecy by Isaiah. Did you know the prophecy by Isaiah about the birth of the child was recorded, was revealed 700 years before the birth of Christ? It's found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel, which means? Yes, we all know. We've all heard this phrase many times. Sometimes retelling the story every year since we were children makes the story lose a bit of its wonder. How many of you know watching a suspense movie is not the same after you've already seen it? Sometimes we need to retell the story from a different angle. So one day there was this family. They got a knock on the door. Parents answered the door. And to their surprise was a small group of military men in uniform. And they said, ma'am, and they're holding this American flag in the shape of a triangle. We deeply regret to inform you that your son passed away on his recent deployment. That's probably the worst news that any parent could ever receive. And so after the military group leaves, they're in their house, they're stunned, they're in shock, just numb and eventually go into depression. It's the worst thing that has ever happened in their entire lives. And they begin to think, okay, what do we got to do? You know, they're trying to snap out of it. There are some things that have to be arranged. And, you know, they start going through the motions of everything that happens in a funeral. But two days later, another group of military men show up, this time with higher ranks on their arms. And they say, we are so sorry. We deeply regret to inform you there was a huge clerical error, and your son is not dead. He is on his way home. Now, if you just had regular news, oh, my son is on his way home, that's great news. But in light of the bad news, the idea, the mention that their son is now on their way home, this is a whole other ballgame. 
This creates a whole different kind of celebration, a whole different kind of response. The good news is good based on how bad the bad news was. And in the same way, we're hearing about the good news that God has entered our world in the form of a baby. And we can be inoculated a little bit because of the repetition of the story annually. But if we keep in mind what the story would have been had he not come, it would be a very different reality for us. There would be no hope. We would be left to die, and then that's it. That's it. No hope. God demonstrated what love looks like. You know, the world was on a path because of choices that people made, but God entered the scene. Everybody say, but God. Love entered into our situation. Love entered into our hopelessness. God could have looked down from his throne and said, ah, you poor earthlings. <laughs> Maybe I'll give you another chance and call it forgiveness. But that's not what he did. He came down and became one of us and entered into our world in the form of a baby. God entered into the hopelessness. He even entered into death. He took it within himself, and then he crushed it. And then he was the first to come back from the dead. All of this happened because of the supernatural birth of a child. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. I'd like you to, I just, I think I want to share a, a, a bit of a testimony, a story. One of my, my, one of my desires, one of my goals is whenever sharing a message is that I'm not just sharing information that maybe I read or studied, but that I'm experiencing the message myself. That I am not just a messenger, but my life is the message. And so the message is, God has come to be with us, Emmanuel. And I, I don't want that to be kind of a cliche about the birth of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, we all know the answer. I want it to be a reality. And many of you have experienced it. Um, it's not something that's a one-time experience. It's something that's meant to be repeated over and over again. Some of you are searching. Maybe you're wanting to experience God. You're looking for an experience with him. And I want you to know that this good news is not just 2,000-year-old news. This good news is current news. This news is for the present. This news is for you. So just a little example. This morning, I was getting ready, and I was thinking about the message, and I, I had a different ending. And as I was getting ready, the Lord said, no, don't go that way. I want you to go this way. And so I, I changed the ending. But my and we'll get there in a moment. But my point is this, that you can be going through life. There are things that you're thinking about. There 
are demands on you, there are projects that you're undertaking, there are circumstances that you're experiencing, and you're, you're, you're wondering which way do I go. And I want to remind you that God is here, and that as an heir, you have his favor. I mean, he is for you, and he is present. He is here now, and he's listening, and he's watching, and he sees you. He knows everything about you. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're feeling. And he's not doing that with kind of an attitude of judgment. Well, let's see what you're going to do next. No. He's there loving and encouraging and wanting your best. And because of that, when you're seeking and you're searching about things in life, you can ask him. You can rely on him to help. I mean, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's like having a personal coach. You have a business decision, a financial decision to make, you've got a personal finance coach. You have an issue with health, and you need wisdom in knowing how to be able to navigate this, you've got a personal health coach. Whatever it is, he's your helper. And so I want to encourage you with the idea that God is here, and he's for you, and he's with you, and whatever circumstance you're in, be watching and listening and ask him. Ask him. One of the most common prayers I've had in the last five years, Lord, would you give me knowledge and understanding? And it's amazing what he'll drop into your lap in ways you didn't even expect. And you're like, man, that's exactly what I was thinking about. The other thing I want to encourage us with is because God is here, and because he's for you, hope really has come for you. Not generically, not spiritually, not theologically, but personally for you. And so what I'd like us to do in the remaining time that we have is to take a moment to reflect and just ask yourself, what do I want? What have I been hoping for, but afraid to hope for because I might get disappointed? And so I don't really go there. I don't fully engage because I might get hurt again. And I want to encourage you to don't go through that process by yourself like we have a tendency to do. But go through this searching, go through this chapter in life, go through this season with an eye and an ear toward God and ask for him to help. And I want to encourage you to hope again. And not because, oh, this time the roll of the dice is going to be in my favor, but because God is with you. His presence is with you and that he's for you. And because he is love and because he wants your best, it can be different this time around if you go through it with him and you let him guide you. And so if you would close your eyes and if you would bow your heads, I'd like us to take a moment just to do some business with God and to search your heart and let him search your heart and just say, God, what have I given up on? What have I stopped hoping for? 
and just ask the Lord God, is that something I really should let go of? Or is that the enemy that has been discouraging, trying to kill, steal, and destroy the things that make up life? And so just take some time, we have time, just to be still, to be quiet, and to turn the eyes of your heart toward him and allow him to reveal what are those places inside where there's been hopelessness. And in that place, I want you to do something very special. If you would be willing to let God come and be with you in that spot of hopelessness, whatever it is, wherever the discouragement is, if you would allow Jesus to come and be with you in that discouragement, in that disappointment, in that hurt or that hopelessness. And this is a very spiritual thing. This is by faith. And so we need to be still and be quiet in seeking the presence of God. And I want to invite you to watch and to listen for however he shows up in that place in your heart where there needs, where you need hope. So take a moment, just watch and listen to see however God shows himself to you in that feeling. Just take our time and be comfortable in the quiet. said yes, you are willing to let the Lord be with you in the discouragement, then Lord, you hear their reply. You see the response. And God, I ask that you would reveal your presence to each one who is saying yes to you. Just watch and listen and see how the Lord reveals himself to you.
shows himself to you, take mental note. His presence is enough. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter how long it's been. His presence is enough. And Father, all over this room, ask that your presence would heal and comfort and bring rest and restore. We receive your presence. We thank you for being with us. And Father, we are reminded that hope is not a feeling. Hope is a person. We receive the hope that we have in you. We receive you. And thank you for your love. We thank you for your favor. Thank you for your kindness toward us. Let his presence be healing to your heart and just abide in him, just rest in him, just be one with him. Just receive his goodness and soak in his presence. you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. There may be some of you here this morning as you're listening to me talk about a relationship with God. That's something that's been on your mind lately. In fact, you're here today not just to do the church thing, but you're really searching. And you came here today looking for an experience with God. And if that describes your desire but you've never made a conscious choice to open up to him and say, God, yes, I want to experience you in my life. If you've never made a formal decision, then I want to invite you to do that today, if this describes you. And it's real simple. All you have to do is, in your heart, because God knows everything, say, yes, God, I want you. I want to experience you. That's the most important thing, is your desire. And then secondly, we just express that to God in a prayer. And what I'll do is pray out loud. And while I'm praying, you can just join me in your heart. God will hear you. Father God, I'm sitting here today and I'm saying yes. I'm opening up to you. And God, I ask that you would show yourself to me. I open my heart, my mind, and I ask you to come into my life by your spirit. And today I receive your spirit of forgiveness. And I ask you to forgive me for the things I've done, things I'm not proud of. Lord, you know. 
and I ask you to forgive me for all of it. And Lord, I ask that you would give me a new start because the way I've been doing it by myself has not been working well. And I ask that you would show me how to live your way. And so God, I ask that you would give me a new beginning. Allow me to become the person that you originally designed me to become. I ask that you would restore my life through Jesus, your son. In his name we pray, amen.